I grew up playing Sensei's Top and Termini. Entreat the angels counterspelling my opponent's reply. Blah, 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 blah. Didn't have my mana right, and that's not okay. That's not okay. Please don't call a judge on me regarding slow play. I started playing magic cards when I was just a dopey kid. I was so chubby with separatals. Who do I grew up to brew some super sick creative with? Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me as always, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going, man? I am the new heel of the format. <laughs> it's true. Every, everybody hate on me. I don't care. It's true. Care. Fetchlands, Fetchlands are banned, guys. Dude, it's crazy. <laughs> when, 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 I, I, you, I have good intent. I have, you know, I, it's just... A, a good argument to back up why systemically the format is broken. So if we want to have the argument, we should look at the context of the the format as a whole, as opposed to just like this card is new and really powerful and I don't like playing against it, therefore it needs to go. Like intent was good, but let me tell you, uh, that's not how it was received. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, for those out of context, I, I, I made a whole long Twitter thread about how uh, Fetch lands are actually the, the structural problem in the format. And then every band that we talk about is inherently 
created because of fetch lamps. We're not going to get into it because that's not what this this episode's about. We're going to cover the rest of uh, Crimson Vow and talk about one particular card that's insane. Um, but let me tell you, I stand by everything I said. So go check out the the Twitter thread if you want to see all the commotion. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, catching catching up to the drama because uh, I I just think uh, I think it's I it. It to me is very funny when people say things like "this is the worst take I've ever seen." <laughs> I think it's interesting that it, I have not posted a Twitter thread like that that just got so much flack. Like the response was just both good and bad was just so wide. Um, because you know I'm a nobody, but this time around, uh, it really let me uh reminded me of how when we read something apparently on any social media. Uh, I guess in this case, Twitter, we just assume that the person has like a really biting tone when they say it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I had a bunch of people that just assumed that I was saying it as though I was better than them and that I knew better than them and that they knew nothing. Like as, as though I imposed some kind of assumption about the people I was talking to, as opposed to coming from uh, a good, from good intention and I even had a typo in the main thing. The thing that got retweeted the most. I had a fucking. But that's typo. that's how you get. That's how you get. Uh, if I've learned anything from TikTok, is the way you get uh, massive amounts of interaction is to have like a typo in your in your argument, so that people glom onto that wrong thing and they say oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. blah 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 blah, and you had a typo, and you're just like, yeah, well, uh, okay. Yeah, I it, it's it's one of those things where like. I have no uh, issue with anybody who I was saying it to, nor was I saying it to anybody in particular. It was more about the debate as a whole that's yeah. gone on with every card we've banned for the last two and a half years. And I was like, fam, we are getting nowhere every time we do this. So we should probably take a step back, look what it's actually wrong, assess how we want to fix what's actually wrong. And then if we want to move up layers as to what's wrong from like fetch lands into like the more, into which is like foundational into like the more systemic stuff, I think that's shit like days. Cool. We should do that. Yeah. But right now the argument is just like, look at these deck lists that are winning. And I'm like, they're not winning at a clip. That's like at a band worthy percentage, but it's like, but they're, they're not fun to play against. And I'm like, fun is subjective. It's not really an argument that you can make against uh, one card in particular against another, unless like the community as a whole, like found it. Like I know people who really enjoy playing with monkey. Do I care if it goes, I could give a shit. <laughs> like I'm a miracles player. It doesn't really matter to me. But at the same time, it's like we can't use fun as a means to be like, yeah, this this is good, unless it's something like Underworld Breach, in which case it's actually format warping and oppressive, yeah. where the numbers do follow that up. So I don't know. The, the conversation is one uh, that will be ongoing for the next what month until they actually have an announcement. But I hope the announcement is actually something that's better than just we're banning another a couple MH2 cards and moving on. Yeah, because then we're going to be back here in four months. Yeah, I mean, I my argument is that uh, anyone listening to this podcast has not had fun playing Magic for most <laughs> most of their Magic the Gathering career. We play Legacy. We're not we're not here to play Ring Around the Rosie and the Men Men Without Hats. Uh, you know, we can dance video. Uh, but anyhow, all that aside, let's finish up talking about uh, Innistrad Crimson Vow. Last last time we tuned in, there were like seven cards spoiled. So now. Uh, now there's a lot spoiled, so we can really go over stuff. What has anything jumped out to, to you so far this set? You know, so, I I haven't seen anything that to, that off the off the bat to me was like, oh, this is amazing. I've seen some role players. 
Dude, so I saw the, w- one of the cards that was making the rounds on social. Uh, I doom scroll a lot. But one of the cards that, uh, so Callum had uh, posted a picture of Vampire Slayer, which is a one and a white for a two-two that says when a vamp when Vampire Slayer deals damage to a vampire, destroy that creature, right? So it's got death touch specifically and only for vampires. And then he uh, shared a thread of somebody who was upset when they print two mana two-twos that just hose a tribe. So they did the same thing for dinosaurs, apparently, in Ixalan, where there was a 2-2 two, two for 2 that just destroyed a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And then there was this one dude who was going, who was so upset. He's like, I love playing dinosaurs, but they're unplayable because they printed this card. And then everybody, like, yeah. What? Exactly. That, that, was, that was the response that I had as well. But My, the, what? No, the, the logic was so funny because it was like, they've printed this unplayable hate bear specifically for the thing that I want to do. Therefore, I can't do it. But because the hate bear is so bad, nobody else is going to play the hate bear. So both the hate bear and the thing that I want to do are both unplayable and can't be played because Watsi has decided to make these types of tutus. And I, let me tell you, we all can understand that that logic is. So oh yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you about living in that headspace in a second. Go on, go on though, dude. But I, I it, it is one of those things where. The logic that is so far beyond anything that I could personally feel that I like, I could put myself in that. Like, I don't think I could ever be in the headspace where I'm like, this thing that I want to do just can't be done because of this incidental thing that's so innocuous and nobody would ever do it. But now because it exists, I just can't do my thing. Yeah. And the, the logic behind that is so entertaining to me. Oh, man. Uh, so I want to shout out that particular person. Uh, you. You play your dinosaurs. Yeah, man. You go for it. We support go you. Full, go full T-Rex, dude. If eat, anybody wants to play lawyers. vampires. Eat the lawyers. Vampire Slayer exists, but you you fucking play your vampires, people. Yeah. You, you, get, you play your Edgars and your Sorens. So uh, during uh, Return to Ravnica standard, like right after Return to Ravnica came out, I was yeah. playing like blue, white, red control. Uh, and my, you know, my win con was uh, Entreat the Angels. Uh, in a standard format where you had no top of the deck library manipulation, you just drew it and you were like, oh, I got 12 lands in play. I guess I'll, I guess I win. But I was like super reactive to the fact that like, you know, uh, uh, your opponent could like detention sphere. Every deck was playing detention sphere. There goes all your guys. Um, or the other card that I was really worried about was uh, um the meteor card, the like uh, two mana overload, deal four damage to everything card. I forget even oh, what Mizium Mortars. Yeah, Mizium Mortars. I was like, man, people are going to be playing Mizium Mortars and they're going to be playing Detention Sphere. This is right after the set came out, right? And um, so I put cards in my sideboard to like prevent that from happening and not like cards you like normal cards you would think about like putting in. I'm talking, I played Mizium Skin. Oh yeah, you want to protect one angel. You're like, well, well yeah. If you can one. protect, if you can protect, well, this is the thing. They're four fours, right? And if you overloaded it, they got hexproof and plus O plus one. So that solved both those problems, right? Two of these problems in my head that I thought were like, this is what people are going to be playing. I gotta, you know, like I had just build it up, build it up, build it up, and then like you know, people were just playing Supreme Verdict, and well, yeah, you see, it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Exactly. The real logic. You outsmarted yourself. You see, 
the people who would play Missio Mortars or Detention Sphere didn't because yeah. Mystics, uh, because Missium or whatever the this card pin, you're playing. This pin stops elephants from coming into my house. Do you see any elephants? I think so, not. Yeah, nobody's going to send elephants your way yeah. because they know that you, yeah. <laughs> Elef elephants are unplayable. Pins are unusable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but anyhow, we should talk actually about uh, about Crimson Val. How many minutes are we in? Like 20 minutes yeah. into this? How, how do you feel about Cleave? Do you feel Cleave is actually uh, a, a cool way to do kicker? Or do you think it's I think it's, it's just really overload. I think it's like a weird overload. Uh, I, it's fine. Like, whatever. Like, if you've run out of ideas, Cleave is, Cleave is fine. And it, it fills a hole for like a weird rule situation you want to you want to create as like you know this tier you, like you're a tier three game designer uh at, at watsi and and somebody let you use your let you use an idea finally dude i, so I clap I, it up for you the the idea of cleave that you're just like chopping words off of out of out of the the thing is like the flavor right that we're going for yeah uh i saw in in a thread that i'm uh, i'm in many a magic thread and in one of them they were like they this one person didn't like cleave because they thought it was clunky and then it, it's just kicker you know done you know it, oddly but they were like why didn't they save this for neon dynasty and like call it hacking yeah right that would have been cool flavor in the digital age where you're, yeah, you're, you're you know you're changing the text um so now what what cleave has actually done has just made me really hyped for neon dynasty <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that no. wasn't the intent but that's what happened well um, all right, so let's talk about uh, you know as as ha, ha, I feel like we we invoke we invoke Nate, Nate's name occasionally like he's like he's uh, uh, like he's a, the patron a, saint of like this, a, this podcast. Oh, he's also the patron saint of three mana planeswalkers because what does Nate always say? You don't sleep on three mana planeswalkers. Don't sleep on them. And for the, to that end, we have Kaya Geist Hunter. She is one, a black and a white uh, Planeswalker Kaya with three loyalty when she enters, and her plus one reads, creatures you control gain death touch until in turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature you can, uh, token you control. Negative two is until in turn, if one or more tokens would be created under your control, twice that many are, uh, of those tokens are created instead. And then her negative six is exile all graveyards then create a one one flying white spirit token uh for each card exiled this way okay two things right they're, 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 they kaya geistbuster for the memes yeah total layup not afraid of no ghost miss the shot, i ain't afraid of no right? geist yeah exactly miss the shot uh but that's okay uh so <clears throat> this card is obviously just a black white uh tokens planes plane to black white tokens focused planeswalker Mm -hmm. And the that doesn't actual, make to, that actually doesn't make tokens unless she alters. Doesn't, doesn't make tokens herself. The minus two is where the power of this card is because that's anointed procession. So that's yeah. a four mana. That's a four mana enchantment. So it's a four mana effect that you're getting on a three mana card that theoretically you'll then be able to use another turn cycle after the fact. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, feels fairly obvious, but I think that this card's playability is only as a combo piece for that minus two so if you're playing this and you can minus it and then you can do something by doubling up on tokens i don't know what those tokens are <laughs> but i can't fathom a world where anybody is doing any of this stuff there with kaya because she seems maybe so in modern by it. there's probably like a, i think the black white tokens deck still exists in modern is like a fringe deck yeah, I, I could see this it, it, doing something on the value side of, of things if yeah. the um anointed procession effect was a plus 
because then you can do it every turn. So you can do like incidental, like lingering souls type stuff every turn. And that will yep. generate a bunch of advantage. And that's like powerful, but is a deck built around doing that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas here, because it's a minus, and then you have to spend two turns before you can do it again and not have her be touched, it's got to be a combo piece. Uh, is there any token in Legacy that you would like to double up? Uh, no, because they're all legendary. Wow. <laughs> Dude, no. I you, would... you, you, we can double our Entreat the Angels, bro. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's the exact thing you want to do is somehow... Draw and treat the angels as your second card for the turn because uh, you've already drawn them during your draw step, right? <laughs> yeah, so so you, you got to put Kaya in. You plus, right? it goes to four, whatever. They don't do anything on their turn, a very common play pattern in Legacy. And then you just draw and treat the angels. Uh, well, you, you'll need, you'll need uh, six mana Tefri out so that you can activate Planeswalker abilities as an instant. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's only, if it's, and then you need a way to draw a card. So it's only four card combo uh, for what would be tapping out nine mana. Yeah. So you need nine mana plus tapping out plus two turn cycles and you can have like, I don't know, 38 power. And then your opponent Mizium mortars them and then what do you do? Uh, yeah, that's true. Legacy playable Mizium <laughs> mortars always get you. Um, all right. Well, uh, I'll, I'll quickly mention that welcoming vampires is a cool card to throw into a uh, EDH vampire deck, and then I want to move directly on to. Oh wait, you got something to say about that? I I, I got something to say about uh, welcoming vampire. I think welcoming vampire is legit, man. Oh yeah. When, whenever one or more other creatures with power two or less enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Do you think that's a time. death and taxes card? No. So I mean, it's not legacy playable. Three mana is way too steep, and it's a two three. There's mm -hmm. just like more impactful things for that mana cost and that thing to be doing. For but, sure. But um, this was. Um, playable as this is a variant of bygone bishop which was a spirit mm -hmm. three mana two two that like would investigate every time you cast a creature uh with a cmc of three or less i believe yeah but so like that would that would trigger more than once a turn but you'd have to spend two mana for every card draw because and mentor the meek is is similar to this as mentor well. the meek is similar um yeah i mean this historically has been a playable effect not in legacy but if you play yeah. any of the younger formats this is uh uh, an interesting card for white the the fact that it only triggers once each turn but triggering once each turn is similar to me like the monarch you know yeah. it's like imagine if every single thing that you did cantripped like that's insanely powerful so i i wouldn't sleep on this in the younger formats but yeah it's not going to touch legacy but it's the best white card in the set yeah right uh yeah, i think i card. think so far you're you're correct i just want a yeah. quick quick uh quick shout out to myself as being right about odric the blood curse also a cab how does he get worse? How does how do you become a vampire and go from three four with a bunch of cool abilities to not having any abilities and being like I make blood, I'm corrupt. Yeah, it, it's fun that uh, you know now he's hunting the thing that he was. Is the flavor? Is know? that the he's hunting the people? So 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 my understanding <laughs> if if I if I'm not necessarily the best at understanding flavor and lore in terms of card design, but if somebody was like, hey, we know what Odric does, right? He comes in and he has all of the abilities of all of the other creatures that you have's abilities, right? And it's like, okay, that's Odric's flavor. So when he is now a vampire and he is the antithesis of that, what should he do? Well, he should kill all of the things that have all of the abilities that he used to gain when he fought alongside them because he's fighting against them now. So I'm assuming that the blood tokens are representative of him killing 
all of the uh, creatures that have all of these abilities. I'll buy that. Therefore, I'll buy that. That's why, that's why essentially they have a bounty on their heads when he ETBs to make blood tokens. But you also can't be like, okay, Odric comes down, wrath your board. <laughs> if so, I, so the Dracula thing, the all the Dracula cards, very cool. Very but, cool. But uh, I, I, I want to preface what I'm about to say with Christy Swanson is trash now. Um, but they should have done Va- Buffy the Vampire Slayer instead. Uh, OG, the like Luke Perry, you know, uh, Paul, uh, Paul Rubens, uh, you know, va- uh, that would have been super cool as, as far as I was concerned. And then Odric would have been the Paul Rubens uh, vampire. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I, I have no rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, continuing on, uh, Lantern of the Lost is just uh, another one of those type of things. What, what's that card? Uh, yep, Soul, Soul Guide Lantern. It's another one in the line of Relic of Progenitus variants. Yep. Uh, pick the one you feel is going to be situationally best for you if you're ever playing this effect in Legacy. But yep. yes, the card will show up. It will not be surprising because it is the same as the other 12 versions of it with uh, subtle differences that will vary depending on what matters in the format at any given time. Old Breacher Horror is, is a, uh, a seven-mana... 7-8 with flash that can't be countered, and whenever you cast a spell, choose up to one, return a spell to its owner's hand, or return a non-land permanent to its owner's hand. I only mention this because this is a Tide Spout Tyrant. It's a fixed Tide Spout Tyrant in that you can't return lands, so it's less powerful, but sure. you can return spells. But you can spells. return spells, yeah. So that means uh, that you don't have to recast this uh, if your opponent like targets it. If your opponent's like, oh, I'll ca- I'll sort supply shares it, you can just pop the sort supply shares back into his hand, assuming he can't cast it again. Yeah, I- I'm going to give the winner, winner, chicken dinner to whoever has this on the field just because they want to uh, get their storm triggers and then bounce the spell itself back to their hand to do it again. There you go. Yeah. I, I-, I want to mention Bride's Gown as a thing only because uh, I-, I like the fact that uh, another card exists that uh, you can put onto the same creature and then that creature can be both the bride and the groom. Yep. Yep. Um, what that else? Makes, that makes sense. Flavorfully. Well, let's talk about um, the backside here of uh, panic spectator with giggling culprit is what it, it, it says. And that's the dude. That's that the is dude the dude. Yeah. Lebowski. That's, that is, that is certainly uh, Jeff, if you're, Jeff Lebowski. If you're listening to this podcast, you need to go look at giggling culprit uh, and, Tell us that this isn't just like our opinion, man. Yeah, I think uh, if you're not into that whole brevity thing, you should be. You should be watching us on uh, on YouTube, anyhow. You know what <laughs> I'm looking at with Edgar Charmed Groom and something that is just uh, an aspect of legacy that will never change. Four mana four fours don't do it. <laughs> four mana four fours don't do it, but specifically a card that says when this thing dies. Because mm-hmm. the number of times that something dies in the format mm-hmm. is so much lower than it just being so exiled. So it's like, if you're going to have something, if you're going to have dies triggers, it really has to be on like one and two drops. You can never do anything sweet like this that it would die. Yeah, I mean, it, this effect specifically is not great because you just spent four mana on a creature that's going to come back in like three turns. The game's probably over by, by three turns from then. Or at least very decided. I mean, the card is sweet. Not going to see any play though, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't like the art, man. I like the I like the other Edgar art. This, yeah, this the other, guy, the other he, Edgar looks, art's better. He looks mad decrepit in this. 
And I get that, like, he just get, came back from, like, the deep sleep. But uh, I don't know, man. Yeah, he... he why, is, why is he not mythic? Why is he not cooler? Yeah, you know? I, I was surprised that... Um, because the other Edgar was Mardu, like, the commander Edgar's Mardu, that I just assumed... Black and red, uh, right? I No, I assumed the Edgar in this set was just going to be a Mardu mythic. Yeah. That did something different than the other Edgar. I get that this isn't for legacy, but like if you are an EDH player and you're like, I love vampires, you're still just forever bound to playing the other Edgar, right? Because it's just so much more powerful in every way. And it lets yeah. you play three colors. I mean, I guess if you're if you want to specifically do this one, but it's it's weird that this is a powered down version of Edgar when it seems like it isn't targeted for not EDH. Yeah. Well, let's anyway. talk about uh cemetery gatekeeper. That's the next one that I see as being as being talk aboutable. I want to I want to give a quick shout out to Cobbled Lancer and the entire um, miss that this set is for legacy playable zombies. I honestly thought when Exploit was coming back, uh, you know, I I dabble in zombies. I try and make that deck work in legacy. I've cast many a grave crawler in my time. I thought we were gonna get like a one or two mana Exploit zombie that was gonna be like this is powerful enough to play in the legacy shell that was giving them something that they were missing, which is like dealing with big creatures or uh, some like um, consistent sacrifice outlet for more value, uh, anything, literally anything. And the best we got is this guy, a one mana three, three that uh, you can exile from your yard to draw a card. So shout out to the whole zombies uh, part of this set uh, that didn't quite make it to um, legacy. I think it was our best chance for many years. Yep. Sorry, guys. Sorry to all uh, of us. All right, so Cemetery Gatekeeper is a 2-1 first striking vampire for one and a red, and it, it reads, when it enters the battlefield, exile a card from a graveyard. Whenever any player plays a land or casts a spell, if it has the same type as the exiled card, Cemetery Gatekeeper deals two damage to that player. I think this is maybe legacy playable, like in the same way that like Eidolon of the Revel uh, might be legacy playable. Yeah, so the cemetery cycle, uh, this is like the mythic cycle for this set. I think the most playable cards in this set come in this cycle. Mm. Cemetery Gatekeeper is interesting because the stats as a 2-1 first striker are just Thalia. Yep. So that's not irrelevant. The thing about this one is if you are playing against, like let's say you want this and you are playing against Storm and you're like, I'm going to hit instant or sorcery to try and tax them. Eidolon of the Great Rebel is just a better way of hosing that style of deck if you can manage double red. Sure. I feel like given that fetch lands break everything, that the thing on turn two that this is most likely to hit is a land, in which case this is an Anka of Mishra that can beat down. Yeah, and which it's is good. And it, which is good if you're in that style of deck. The closest thing that we've had to that is Zozu, and Zozu's three mana, which is a leagues different from two mana, right? So I feel like Cemetery Gatekeeper can is just reads one in a red first strike two one Ankh of Mishra. And there's going to be some subset of decks that are going to be interested in that. And uh will then be able to punish fetch lands uh because it will cost you four mana for every fetch land. So um yeah. yeah. I, I so here's what I, I as I say that I want to just clarify our rules thing. It says whenever any player plays a land, if they crack a fetch, is that still that's not considered playing a land, is it? It is not. That's just putting a land into play, but it's yeah. not playing a land. Okay, but so this doesn't it, actually hit fetch lands. 
No, it hits fetch lands. It just doesn't hit the land fetched from the land. That's what I mean. A fetch yeah. land. This isn't going to convert fetch lands into four. But plus it's going to be very rare that you're playing red deck wins and you're not and you're not going. Uh, oh, okay. I guess I'll hit your uh, blood soaked mire. You know, like you're not going to hit uh, a like a badlands with it because it's not going to be in their their graveyard. Yeah, it's so close because I, I I think to myself too. I'm like the red decks that would maybe want this that are sort of trying to play aggressive. It's like, maybe you would play something like this against elves. And then you, on a, on a, after you've killed like their first play. So you like both their first play untapped, play this exile their creature. But then I'm like, but they probably can still combo you off from yeah. 16. Well, so, where it's, where this is good uh, as far as what it does is it does exile that thing. So it's like a main deck answer to a reanimator deck, which a reanimator is traditionally very good against burn. Uh, because like, even though they take like eight damage when they play uh Grizzlebrand, they've got a seven, 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 seven life. Yeah. That just cannot be dealt with. Right. But if you can get that creature out of the graveyard before they reanimate it, a rare occurrence, of course, but there is some utility in this card. That's like, Hey, I don't care if I, if I deal two damage to you, but you don't have that grizzle brand in your graveyard anymore, you know? That's actually really interesting. All So the one thing that the cemetery cycle that has them, that they all have across the board that, like, ties them as a cycle is that they have a clause to exile a card from a graveyard. And, yeah, you're you're probably right that I'm probably looking, I'm probably being blinded by the bigger effect when the exile a card from a graveyard is just the incidental uh, yeah. buy-in for this, this card. Is a, this probably is really a, good. a Lantern of Lost Souls or whatever, uh, uh, yeah, Lantern of the Lost on a 2-1 uh, first striker that incidentally, if, if your opponent is playing uh, with Brainstorm, Ponder, you know, what what have you, uh, it may do two to four damage extra during a game. Yeah, it, it is interesting too that um, the Exile card can be positional too because if, if you want to hit a Snapcaster target, you can get rid of the Uro. Yeah, there's yeah. there's actually a lot of play to that, uh, and this that being two mana, it's interesting. I mean, it, it it'll be a role player if it sees any play, but it is it is cool. That is cool. Yeah. You've 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 made me a lot higher on it than I was coming into the into the podcast. Um, should we talk about uh, Jacob Hawken, Investigator? Is that even a? I haven't read this card all the way through. Uh, let's let's it, let's read it real fast, right? Yeah, I've uh, I've read it and I've thought about it, and yeah, we can. Okay, uh, so uh, it's a. Uh, one in a blue legendary human advisor O2 and it says tap to draw a card then exile a card in your hand face down you may look at the card as long as it remains exiled then you may pay six mana okay if you do transform uh, investigator and it becomes Hawkins theory um, and that says at the beginning of your it's a legendary enchantment that says at the beginning of your upkeep exile the top card of your library face down you may look at this card as long as it's exiled. Once during each of your turn, you may play a land or cast a spell from the cards exiled by this permanent without paying its mana cost. So I'm going to go with a hard no on this one because you need six mana to make it even playable, right? Yes. So the six mana means that you are never going to do it by itself. Mm -hmm. You would need to do something that transforms cards other ways. So Cheap ways to transform cards. I saw some people were talking about like this plus Moon Mist, but then you're playing Moon Mist in your deck. Like it's unplayable, right? Uh, yeah, well, I like. I just feel like why wouldn't you play like Phyrexian Arena if you really wanted a, an effect like this? Right? I yeah, exactly. I think that <laughs> if 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 there is ever 
So this is like the big mythic that you could pair with if they ever print something cheap that incidentally transforms your stuff. So like, let's say there's a one drop and it's like sacrifice this transform a permanent, right? And if you go, if that exists, this is a, 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 a payoff for something that's cheap like that, that could cheat on mana, right? So yeah. the same way that like, the way that I was thinking about this card is it'll never see play until something like that is printed. That's reasonable to play. You can fill out the rest of the deck, but it reminds me uh, a lot of how like Colossus Hammer in Hammer Time decks in Modern. Colossus Hammer is unplayable until you pair it until with you stuff cheat it. that yeah, you yeah. cheat the equip cost. So if you look at the equip cost of Colossus Hammer being equivalent to the six mana activated ability here, if you can circumvent that activated ability and just get the, the <laughs> Hawkins theory onto the table, then you just have half of an omniscience and half of a uh, Frexian arena on the table until they remove it. And yeah. it's a legendary enchantment and it, you know, that's fine. Until something like that happens, this is not going to see any play outside of your EDH tables. And that's fine. I, I just want to take a, take a flavor second here. Uh, and talk about what is he seeing in his micro uh, in his microscope in his magnifying glass? What is that theory? Are those Frexians? Uh, like, have the Frexians invaded here too? What, what are what what what's going on there? I see some eyeballs. I see like a face mask, maybe a hood. If the Frexians are also invading Innistrad, they're they're <laughs> is he just looking the, uh... at a is he just looking at like a painting of Invoke Prejudice? Because that's not okay. That's not okay either. All I know about these uh, effects that got the Dracula treatment is that they took the characters from the Dracula story and then built them. And he's Jonathan uh, Harker, I bet, right? He's Harker, yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, I just watched they, that last night, uh, the Bram Stoker Dracula with, uh, th this would be uh, the Keanu Reeves character of the movie. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I, I, I mean, it was- Great movie, very, great movie, by the way. It, it's very clear from the reskins, from the Dracula reskins, that they just took the characters from Dracula and did top-down designs for them so that they could do the reskins. Yeah. Uh, so- that's why this is like the the name is like just like tangential to Harker and it's like way over the top in terms of like what it does and it's unique in that way and that's why yeah. it can be mythic. Uh, okay, well let's let's keep going. Do you see anything else here? Like uh, Averbrook Caretaker looks too expensive. Creepy Puppeteer too expensive. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of cards that are interesting. I mean, there's incidental stuff that's been creeped. Yeah, I mean, and the festivities. That's a creeped blazing volley. Uh, so Blazing Volley will never see play again. You only see end the festivities. The difference is that Blazing Volley deals one damage to creatures your opponents control, and the festivities deals one damage to creatures your opponent control plus planeswalkers they control plus them. Where's uh, end the festivities at? Uh, it's it's further down, but that's one oh, okay. of the cards that it, it, it's just like one of the it's a it's a power creep upgrade. So yeah. it just does everything that Blazing Volley does, but also hits planeswalkers and them. So it's a one damage burn spell on top of everything else. Uh, aim for the head is a two and a black that is a mind rot, except it has the option to exile a zombie or uh, the variant is that it exiles two cards from their hand as opposed to discards two cards. So it's just for those a, of you who are playing mind rot in legacy, another power crop power <laughs> creep on mind rot. Uh, I do want to talk about the uh, rest of the cemetery cycle, uh, except for the black card, because yeah. the black uh, part of the cemetery cycle is unplayable. Uh, it's like laughable how much worse the black ver the black card is compared to the rest of the cycle. Let me pop up to uh, the set itself so we can look right at the cemetery. Okay, so we've got uh, cemetery protector. So cemetery protector is a three four flash when it ETBs exile a card from a graveyard. When you play a land or cast a spell, if it shares a card type with the exiled card, create a one one 
uh, human creature token. So it's four mana, really steep. We've seen three mana, three, four flash creatures mm-hmm. uh, are playable. Uh, read Endurance. I get that it also has Reach and is a mana cheaper, but that card is, you know, obviously pushed. But this is in a similar space. Uh, and it's contained. So it is Incidental Graveyard Hate, and it's a contained cannon. So if you exile a land and then you play lands, or you exile a creature and play creatures, you just get to make bodies. Will it see play? Probably not. Uh, reasonable. I think yeah. Cemetery Illuminator is the most interesting card of the set of if it sees play or not, because everything about it looks good, but it may not actually be powerful enough. So Cemetery Illuminator is the blue part of the cycle. It's one blue blue for a two, three that's flying. When it ETBs or attacks, exile a card from a graveyard. So it can continue exiling cards from a graveyard, which is a big deal. And then it says you can look at the top of your library at any time. And once per turn, you can cast a spell from the top of your library if it shares a card type with the card exiled, with a card exiled with Cemetery Illuminator. So theoretically, you can keep exiling cards with it and therefore you can cast more cards off the top of your deck. Or yeah. you can focus your deck around one type and then try and target that type. And it's a spirit, which I think, you know, we've been talking about this back and forth. Like, I think that we're getting closer and closer to a legacy playable spirit deck. I agree because Mausoleum Wanderer is actually a good card. Yeah. And the fact that you can more or less play your entire spirits deck at instant speed, and you have a bunch of ways to deal with things that otherwise a tribal deck would have a hard time dealing with. So, <clears throat> for example, tribal deck Reanimator. <laughs> for reanimator uh i mean this this deck is blue so it would be able to have counter magic but yeah um stuff that tribal decks usually have issues with them um are things like merit lage right it's just hard to play certain kinds of removal uh and deal with those types of things when you're a tribal deck that's like got to commit creatures to the board and it's just a bunch of power and toughness and in matchups where that's power and toughness just doesn't matter uh you will usually struggle but they just got so they have Mausoleum Wanderer, which is just a better uh, uh, curse catcher. They just got Shacklegeist, which is a two mana two two that says tap two spirits to tap a creature, uh, which is really powerful to just like beat up against things like elves, where you can uh, tap uh, a bunch of their board if they're trying to swing for you with a crater hoof behemoth, or you can win races against DNT. Uh, they have Rattle Chain, so you can play entirely at instant speed. They have Selfless Saver, so you can uh, protect your board. I think Cemetery Illuminator is interesting in that space, but I also think it's interesting as a, a, a threat that, A, like you said, exiling cards from graveyards incidentally in your main board is really nice. But B, when you see a card that just works so nicely with Predict, you're just like, oh man, I just gotta, I gotta, I gotta have it. You know, I just gotta have it. I know that they printed Expressive Iteration and another version of Expressive Iteration in the set, but like, don't you just want to predict? Don't you just, don't you just long to do that? Like, we all do, right? That's not just yeah. me. Like we all want to predict. Casting, casting, predict, and getting two cards off is pretty great. So you want you want to know what would be sick? You exile an instant, and then there's a predict on top of your deck, and then you cast the predict. <laughs> but you can look at the top of your library anytime. So with the predict on the stack, I'm going to look at the top card of my library. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yo, I'm now I'm hyped. Now I'm yep. hyped for that magical Christmas land scenario. Yep. Yo, let's fucking go. Uh, all right, well, let's, go, Zach. let's talk about Cemetery Zach, Prowler. let's fucking go, bro. <laughs> let's talk about Cemetery Prowler. He's a 3-4 okay. for uh, one and two green uh, with Vigilance. Uh, same thing when he enters the battlefield or attacks. Exile a card from the graveyard. Spells you cast cause one less for each card type they share with the cards exiled with Cemetery Prowler. Okay, 
It has the same stats. Same stats as endurance, except it's got vigilance. Mm -hmm. It has the ETB or attack clause, which means that it is manaless to remove cards from graveyards. Mm -hmm. So where in the space between scavenging news and endurance is this playable or not at all because of the space that it's in? The spells cost one less part of it. Uh, Who gives a shit? All the spells in the already cost nothing. Yeah, that's fine. Like, that's not going to change a whole lot. So that you could cast your next Cemetery Prowler for two mana. This is tough. So I think this is slightly above Scavenging Ooze, which we have not been playing for a very long time, right? You know, maybe a Jun deck plays it uh, as an incidental card they just get to play. But I haven't played with Scavenging Ooze in years. I think I, I would I would play this before I played Scavenging Ooze, but I think I'd rather still play Endurance. Oh, yeah. I, I think that, like, this isn't going to come for the endurance slot. I think just on stats, though, we know that a 3-4 for 3 is playable, even if reach is a big deal on endurance. Ever since Surrender Befree. We know. This, yep. this I think, is um, the interesting part of this card, I think, is it, it's tough because Scavenging Ooze is something that you can Green Sun Zenith for, and then it can get big if you exile creatures. But this being something that you can Green Sun Zenith for, and then it ETBs to get rid of a card. So you get that card for free. So let's say you Green Sun for Scavenging Use, and then use the green mana to exile a card from their yard. It would be the same amount of mana to do it on the same turn if you just Green Sun Zenith for this. So as a bullet Mm -hmm. for a graveyard hate card, the initial uh, mana investment is the same off of a Green Sun Zenith to get the first card. So we're at parity there. The difference, though, is that this would need to attack to get any other cards, which means that you can't, like, Gaia's Cradle Mass get rid of their yard yeah. if you have creatures. So that it, it, that's push and pull. But if you're not in an Elves deck that would have access to that kind of mana, let's say you're something closer to a Maverick-style deck, this doesn't have the life gain from uh, Scavenging Ooze, which could be relevant. But the fact that it's a 3-4 body immediately means that it's out of a lot of removal range. Yeah. Uh, which could be also the, the, just the fact that it's out of bolt range could be relevant at the get-go. And because it has vigilance, it means that you can both attack and block and you're probably going to be one of the bigger things on the board. Vigilance the is, the, is, is the big, is the big sell here, I think, uh, which is it, it, uh, unfortunately not, uh, not a huge, uh, it's, it's not as flashy as you'd like it to be. Right. It, it is on a big body, right? Yeah. Like three, four in legacy is very large. And if you are, the deck that's playing this, you probably also have the other big shit like Knight of the Reliquary or whatever. Yeah. When it ETBs, by the time it attacks, you'll have removed two cards because you get the exile clause on the attack as well. I, I, th- this card is like way more situational, I think, than the other cards. Like if you're playing Cemetery Illuminator, I feel like you're doing dopey shit like I am with Predict. If you're playing Cemetery Gatekeeper, you're already in a super aggressive deck and you probably are just an Ankh of Mishra. Yeah. But this one is way more situational. This feels way most positional of all yeah. of the Cemetery the, the, I think the biggest issue here is that the the second uh, part, the you know, what, what we were considering was Cemetery Gatekeeper as the big part. The second part on this one is not the big part. The secondary, the second part on Cemetery Prowler is totally incidental. If you get the benefit of reducing a cost by one, it means that there was cost to reduce by yeah. one in your- In Legacy, yeah. In, in Legacy, yeah. it's like not as big a deal. Maybe somewhere else. If you get it, I imagine it will be a big deal, right? If you are a creature deck and you exile a creature and then all of your creatures cost less for the rest of the game that have that ability, cool. But yeah. it's, you're already in double green. I can't imagine any other deck outside of Maverick that would have 
those types of creatures. Yeah, like what are you going to slam three Tarmogoyfs in a turn in Rug Delver? You know, like yeah. I think the Exile, the graveyard is actually the bigger effect on this card. And if it sees play, I think it will just see play as that flex slot where Scavenger Ooze would otherwise go. I think that gate that Gatekeeper will be the most likely to see play myself. But let's move on. Let's talk about uh, Hollowed Haunting for all of you. Uh, for all of you enchantments players out there. Yeah, I mean, hey, picked up a, a new thro- Throne of the Empty Sigil. Sigil of the Empty Throne? Cool, what is yeah, that called? you got me. What is that called? You, it's way better. You got it. You got it. My <laughs> definitely. I mean, that's the problem is my, <laughs> we're both battling our own dyslexia for this. Uh, yeah, but this makes uh, Flying Vigilance XXs, where X is the number of enchantments you control. That's pretty good. And like one or two enchantments onto the board could end the game right after that. So I, I think one one is as good as the other here, but I like this because it keeps giving, but the creatures are uh, bigger each time that, like, even if they wipe the board with a Terminus or something, like, the next one's going to be a 10-10. Yeah, I think that the, the fact that this is just a cheaper version of their win condition yeah. is good enough, right? Like, if I got an Entreat the Angels, but instead of it being double white, it was one in a white X, and everything else about it was more or less the same, except the Angels are only as big as the number of Angels I have, Yeah, I'm still playing that because it's just easier to cast. In Legacy, the difference of a mana is gigantic, and yep. I get that Enchantress hasn't been seen in quite some time, but hey, upgrades upgrades for life. Here we go. Necroduality, shout outs to all of you zombie players in EDH. Moving on. <laughs> Whenever a non-token zombie enters the battlefield under your control, create a token that's a copy of that creature. Let me tell you, dude, if I could stick a four-mana enchantment in Legacy, I would have so many grave crawlers. Yeah. It's just so many. <laughs> But There's like so, it's so just many. it's just it's just copies of them. Just so many, <laughs> and they don't do things. anything. So many they're more just, things that can't. They're block. just two ones that can't block. Just more. They hit more the graveyard control. and get exiled. Um, it's funny because zombies inherently our tribe can't block. They're the one yeah. tribe that inherently has a drawback without any of the upgrades. Yeah, like there's there's no benefits to being zombies, but. You know that if there is a playable zombie, 100% cannot block. Oh, yeah. Hen- Henrika Domnathy, I don't think is worth mentioning. Maniform Hellkite, good on you Dragons players. Cultivator Colossus is only interesting because it would be very funny to see this in, in a lands deck if they actually cast it and just, like, went off. Dude, I <laughs> still am surprised. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but it, it, cards like this forever now where we're like, yeah, it would be funny to see this in in the top end of the lands deck. I'm like, until they embrace Ren and Seven, nothing else matters. Yeah, <laughs> like nothing will nothing will ever be the better quote top end for lands than Ren and Six as like your arbitrary big fat mythic that would you know otherwise win the game if you somehow cast it. Yep, I don't think any of the cards in the next row are really worth talking about specifically. Um... Uh, Winged Portent, bro, get your spirit game on. Yeah, wing port. Well, so yeah, wing portent is is interesting because that's draw a card for each creature with flying you control. Um, for one blue blue, but it's yeah. an instant. Yeah, as an instant, not bad, not bad. Um, and yeah, yeah. You, you're correct. This would be great in in a, a spirits deck to just like refill your hand, uh, assuming that your opponent didn't just like t- isn't about to terminus the board. How good is this as the top end of a spirits deck? Yeah, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna go turn one, turn two, and then. Either I can instant speed a divination, or if I top deck this at any point in the game where we're like stalled, or I just like have any reasonable amount of board built out, instant speed, bro. And then I want to. I want to quickly. With, cards. I want to quickly shout out uh, Li Zhu with this uh, with this card because uh, Winged Portent, Portent being a magic card that's very similar to Ponder, 
and Ponder has Jason's face like in the background. This just has a skull in the background. How cool is that? Yeah, dude, these bats are flying around and they're making the moon a skull. It's pretty rad. Pretty rad. I bet Emmercool would be pissed though. Dude, Emmercool is just like <laughs> hanging out in the moon being like, nobody knows so metal. I'm here. <laughs> nobody knows, but I am so influential in this world. Uh, you and I have talked about this on chat. Uh, but we haven't actually uh, mentioned it on the podcast. Graf Reaver was so close to being good. Yo, so one of the issues that Legacy Zombies, at least in the way that I have found to be the only real way that you can build it, thing about zombies is you either can cast a lot of grave crawlers or you have grave crawlers to use a lot of fodder, but your backbone of the of your deck is grave crawler. And then you have draw engines between grave crawler, carry and feeder, and undead auger. Right. So like that three is just um Yogmoth bargain for every so like it's black mana, lose a life, draw a card, right? Pretty good. Yep. But then it's also the one deck where village rights is just nutty. Like it's actually very good because you can protect yourself from source to plowshares. You never really have to move until they move, but like just going up two cards for one mana is very good. And the big upgrade that the deck got recently is Shambling Gas. Shambling Gas is actually a really big deal for that deck. A because it's another one drop that you're happy to sacrifice. But B, it can stem some uh, aggression from turn one plays, right? So it's a zombie that can block. It's a 1-1 one -one that can block, which is relevant in these times. But then also being a minus one, minus one effect that a bunch of zombies have had is useful in certain games. But then being able to make a treasure is also useful in certain games because it fills the role of being able to accelerate. So you can go like turn one Shambling Gas, turn two Village Rights, go up a bunch of cards and accelerate. And that's really important. So Shambling Gas is a huge boon for a, a deck that is close but not playable because it's missing some pieces. One of the pieces that it's missing is removal for big creatures. Zombies can deal with small yep. creatures. Like it has access to deal to give minus one, minus one and, and do shit like that across the board. Like there's a lot of zombies that incidentally like bite people and, and minus one, minus one them. There Food isn't collector. anything to do. There isn't really anything to destroy that stuff. So when I was uh, trying out the deck, I was splashing for a bunch of grists because grist is a sack outlet, but it can also deal with bigger creatures because zombies, you're not contained. The creatures aren't contained. They're just bodies. You have to fill them out with spells, right? Yeah. So your big payoff is you have like Phyrexian Tower, but then you have shit like Village Rites and Cabal Therapy and like other means to like actually generate card advantage. It's not like you have over the top stuff uh, like Glimpse or Elvish Visionary with bouncer effects. Like you don't have built-in engines the way that other tribes do. You have to use card slots, which means that you're way tighter in your deck space. So yeah. if they had Graph Reaver, if Graph Reaver was just exploit a creature hero's downfall, even with the drawback of in your upkeep, you lose a damage because for some reason it needs to have a drawback. Even if it had the with the drawback, exploiting a creature, cool. You can probably leverage that for some advantage. If it just said destroy target creature or planeswalker, even if it just said destroy target creature. Creature, just creature. Yeah. Just creature. It would have been a terror. A, a huge. A terror even. Huge boon. Like even if it was just a terror. Zombies cannot beat in a single Uro. Like mm -hmm. zombies by itself without moving into like another color and really just playing cards devoted to beating the shit that it just arbitrarily cannot beat ever. Okay, I'm going to splash white specifically for swords to plowshares. Yep. It, it just straight up can never beat an Uro by itself. Uro by itself blanks entire decks like that. So having something like Graph Weaver that theoretically you could rebuy or... Um, use multiple times over to exploit over and over to be a like a recursion, a, a, a removal recursive piece, that would have been huge. 
And it's, it misses by the narrowest margin. So it was really a, a heartbreaker to see when Graf River was spoiled because it's when a card like this is spoiled at rare, you're like probably be going to be the best zombie in the set. Yeah, you know exactly. All right, well, moving on. Uh, let's talk about Headless Rider. <laughs> yeah, we love we love ourselves in Headless Rider. Speaking of rare zombies, uh, whenever Headless Rider or another non-token zombie uh, you control dies, create a two-two black zombie creature. He's a three-one so, for three mana. I can. Uh, I promise you, I have spent way more time trying to build zombies than probably anybody who's like actually taking it seriously as trying to make it legacy playable. Yep. There are so many zombies at three mana that have some incidental value effect, none of which are good enough. But if you wanted to play one, Diagraph Colossus is still the best one. Diagraph Colossus can come in and it's potentially gigantic, which is different uh, a different aspect of what your deck could otherwise promote. And it does the exact same thing of, of creating a bunch of tutus, except instead of when it uh, dies, it's when you cast a zombie. With Gravecrawler, if you have a sacrifice engine, Casting and dying are the exact same thing. Yeah. So Graf Diagraph Colossus is just the better version of this and will continue to be the better version of three mana value zombie. It's not what zombies needs. Zombies needs more means to be interactive in ways that matter. This whole patchwork crawler, one in a blue for a one-two zombie horror. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, blue. yeah. Exile a creature card from a graveyard, put a plus one, plus one counter on this card, and then it has all activated abilities of all creature cards exiled with. The disrespect. Man, <laughs> you don't you don't get to print Lazav. In no, a it's way. not even it's not even Lazav. You know what it is? It's it's Marcel. Um, oh, yeah, almost Marcel, almost yeah. exactly Marcel for slightly cheaper. Uh, a repeatable effect. The only difference is that because they're not like cage counters, that it doesn't remember that it has these things. So you can't like exile it with like an Aetherling. And then, like, continue to like get more and more and more stuff. You just need a lot more mana. And this is all repeatable. Marshall says once per turn. This stuff's all repeatable. I, I get that this card, like, what this card is going for, but man, it's fucking disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like. The, I think this is a great card for again for EDH though. I think. I think inspired idea is very close. Inspired idea is the sorcery for two and a blue. It says draw three cards and it has cleave. So if you don't pay the cleave cost, which is three blue blue, you draw three cards and then your maximum hand size is reduced by three for the rest of the game. If you pay the cleave cost, you just draw three cards. So it's five mm -hmm. mana, draw three, or it's three mana, draw three, and then your hand size is reduced by three. I think three mana is still too steep, particularly because the decks that would play a three mana value spell, Uro exists. Yeah. And that's unfortunate that Uro exists to, to, to move shit away, value stuff like this out. If this also was a Bane Slayer Angel, it would probably get, it would get more in. What I think this could be, though, is it's maybe part of a combo deck. I mean, three mana draw three is a good rate. Yeah, because it won't matter until the end of the turn, right? Like, yeah, you're, it's if you're just like, uh, what is it? Uh, dreams, uh, undiscovered dream, not undiscovered dreams. Uh, it's two mana to draw three, then discard three at the end of the turn. Ideas unbound. Ideas unbound. There we go. Yeah, yeah. it's very much like yeah. ideas unbound. Right, which is why I think that if you were playing the combo deck that wants to draw three, you would play ideas unbound. Yeah, because there the, same, we go. the same thing. It's just a mana cheaper. So <laughs> um, I feel like this this card falls in a space where it's not actually going to see any play. But no. I mean, just straight three mana draw three is a very good rate. If you're playing a deck that is looking to play to the board. What about Thirst for Discovery? Draw th So it's a two and uh, one blue for an instant that says draw three cards and discard two cards unless you discard a basic land card. I'll be honest with you. 
if this card came out before Modern Horizons 2, best believe I would have been playing it in my Blue White Miracles deck. Yeah. Like multiple, three to four copies of this easy in my Miracles deck where I'm slamming 10 basics. Now that Modern Horizons 2 came out though, and Prismatic Ending is just the best removal spell since Source. Yeah, you got to be playing, you got to be playing them duels. You're so more, you're so much more incentivized to be playing a third color. And you have other means for card draw. I, I feel like this was just six months too late. Yep. It just needed to come out when you were incentivized to play two colors. Uh, and this would have been huge. Oh, man. If I could have held up Counterspell and then end of turn, just draw three, discard a basic. Oh, my God. That would have been insane. Yeah. But now you between Expressive Iteration and Prismatic Ending, you're just so hardly incentivized. You're so much more incentivized to play the third color reduce your basic count and just get better card draw and removal anyway. So it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it's so late, but like, man, yeah. When, when this card was spoiled, I sent it to you guys and I was like, unbelievable. Here, Reckless Impulse. Whew. This is a one in a red for a sorcery. It says exile the top two cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You may play those cards. I know okay, you're I hot did, on this one. I know dude, you like I, this one. I have been fucking arguing with people about this card. Like, yes, people are, like, obviously it has call, like reminiscent callback to Expressive Iteration. It's two mana draw two, right? The implications for this, I guess, uh, we, can we, may I talk about play patterns of this card? You may. As exactly. more, as more to Destiny Cold card to you, sir. I'm going to take the As more to Destiny Cold card right now. Exile the top two cards of your library for two mana. Okay, so it's just two mana draw two. Until the end of your next turn, you may play those cards. Play lands off of them. Until your next turn, until the end of your next turn. Yep. Can we think of the implications of what this is the closest thing to just straight up two mana draw two they've ever printed? Exile. Okay. Expressive iteration gives you some amount of selection, right? You look at the top three, you are likely to be able to convert two cards at any point across the game beyond turn two. Like if you have a land drop available, you're probably converting two cards. Reckless Impulse, you can slam this on turn two and it's just two mana draw two. If you hit a land plus literally anything, you're going to get to play both the land next turn and have the card. The difference though, between this and Expressive is that your opponent has to respect the exiled cards during their next turn. If I exile a force of will in a land next turn, I'm guaranteed to hit my land drop. And because it says I can play those cards, it means that I can alt cast the Force of Will, which means that you have to respect a counter spell on your turn. If I have a, if I flip over a, remo a removal spell, you have to respect a removal spell. The fact that this card is just going to show your opponent incidentally what they have to play around if you hit anything reasonable, aside from the fact that it just gives you raw cards, like raw yeah. advantage, your opponent's behavior has to change based on what you flip. If you flip either a removal spell, a counter spell, a threat, like let's say there's a threat that you flip on your, like, okay, you flipped the Ragavan with this, or you flipped, uh, 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 name a threat, it doesn't matter. Now, I'm going to have to spend my turn thinking about when that threat comes down next turn. Am I going to cantrip for removal instead of continuing to develop? Do If I'm respecting a counter spell, do I throw something else out to bait it, thinking that maybe you'll take the bait because you want to convert that spell? If you have a removal spell, am I going to throw something else out in the way before I play the thing I want to play? That way it doesn't die to the removal spell that I know that you have in your hand. This is going to change how your opponent behaves is insane. Yep. On top of the fact that it's the raw cards. 
an expressive iteration is not going to change your play patterns because your opponent is not going to know what you're going to find off the expressive before they do what they do. So they're just going to do what they were going to do. And then your expressive iteration can potentially respond to that. But if you play a proactive expressive iteration, you're going to have to present your threat and then they're just going to react to the threat that you present. This on reckless impulse, they have to respect the possibility of those things happening. They may not happen. You can just choose to not do your shit. You can just choose yep. to be like, I don't want to do that instead. But you have changed your play pattern, potentially making your 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 turn worse. Well, I'm still getting the potential of raw cards. It is insane. Like this, this is the best card in the set. It's not even remotely close. <laughs> wow. No nuance November, folks. If every non-blue deck that plays red isn't playing four of this card, by the time it comes out, you're doing it wrong. You're just doing it wrong. This is insane. It's it's just raw card advantage that lets you play whatever you're going to play in your deck, and it makes your opponent have to change their behavior on their turn. It is unreal. Unreal. It's the closest thing to two-minute draw two they've ever printed with no drawback, plus more upside. It has more upside like if they printed one in a blue, draw two cards at sorcery speed, just one in blue straight up draw two at sorcery. It's arguable that it's that it's on par, if not worse than this, because this is going to change your, your opponent's behavior without necessarily having to change yours. To that end, let's talk about Eruth, Tormented Prophet. That is a 2-4 uh, legendary creature, human wizard for one, a blue and a red. And it says, if you would draw a card, exile the top two cards of your library instead, you may play those cards this turn. How do you feel about this card? Notable, it says this turn, not until the end of your next turn. This is true. Unbelievable. Until the end of... I feel like Watsi does not quite understand how powerful the words until the end of your next turn are. You're going to have the cards that you exiled and then get to untap. You're going to untap. What do you even mean? What do you even mean you get to untap? And then use the, <laughs> oh my God, dude. Oh my God. Draw two and then untap. Yeah, Eruth is dope. Uh, it's it's a, it's a two, four. So it's statted, it's statted well. I mean, it's it's gotta be a combo card, right? You play this and yeah. then hopefully you flip your deck over. Yeah, I mean, I think like any any sort of wheel you can pull off, obviously good here. Even like at, at its base level, drawing six cards with, with Brainstorm, if you're untapped, you know, let's say this is your fourth turn and you do play a fourth land. You cast Brainstorm and then six cards uh, are available to, to you. I think you're going to figure out ways to make make a few of those cards work out for you, even if you have to put cards back. Yeah, this also strikes me as high volume combo decks that want to that draw a lot of cards. Uh, when I first saw this, one thing that came to mind for me was, I get that it's two colors now, but uh, uh, High Tide came to mind for me for, for this. Just as like raw resources, just being able to like on a combo turn, just flip over a good portion of your deck. I mean, even like, let's let's just think about Blue Red Delver, you know, like, okay, I brainstorm on my fourth turn, right? And I flip over like two chain lightnings and a, and a bolt out of, out of six cards, just cast them at my opponent, you know? I mean, okay, I had to put a couple cards back, but like, you're probably, you, the cards you put back with Brainstorm are probably going to be, oh, I'll put a Ponder on top. So that adds two more cards to my hand next turn when I draw it. I was going to say, I feel like the trap with this card is the fact that it's blue because blue is the, has all of the types of cards that you would want to be able to play past this turn. So it's blue, but it's it, it doesn't really function well with counter spells because you have to play them this turn. So Correct. unless yeah, you want to yeah. play them to like protect your combo. Well, that's why I think like a blue red Delver deck would, would work well here. Uh, you want to, you want to be yeah. a proactive deck if you're playing this card. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's the same no, thing with like the fa dragon fa fairy dragon. Like, yeah. Do you want to cast days in that deck? No, you're going to play days anyhow. And sure, instantly yeah. it might work. But like, 
you really want to be playing with chain lightnings and lightning bolts. Yeah, I feel like the the the, the combo in this is it takes forever to to get it on, and you probably like this probably win more. This with Sylvan Library. So Sylvan Library lets you draw two additional cards, right? And then you would pay the life to keep those cards rather than put them back. This with Sylvan Library just means that you exile the top six cards of your library every turn, mm -hmm. and then do whatever you want. Yeah, that's draw wild. For, for, for your turn, plus the two cards that library lets you draw. But because you draw them, you would you get to exile them instead, and then you don't have to worry about paying the life to keep them because yep. you have you you have done a replacement effect. At that point, like if you have a Sylvan Library plus this on the table, I assume that then whatever you do is just going to win the game because you just grizzle branded yourself. It right. It you certainly should. Yeah, you certainly should win the slow. game. I think it's, that this two mana card and a three mana card and it's slow. I think this card has has both fair and unfair implications, and yeah. uh, I I. I I mean, do I think that it's going to be a four of in Blue Red Delver? No, but I could see somebody tossing one or two in their deck and being like, whoops, I had a turn where I just got it. This strikes me as um, the things that come to mind are the really cheap uh, card draw effects that usually have some kind of drawback because they're so cheap. Words of Wisdom came to mind. Words of Wisdom, for you don't know, for people who don't know, it's an instant for one in a blue. It says you draw cards and then each opponent draws a card. Obviously, the downside is you don't want to just give your opponent free resources, but it's cheap card draw that with something like this would mean that you're getting churned through your, your library at a really raw, uh, efficient raw rate. It, it's definitely a cool combo piece. I hope it shows up somewhere. I can't imagine where. This reminds me of, um, what's that uh, legend that we tried to break uh, from? Lazav? No. No, not Lazav. It's the other blue red uh, legend, but it's um, it was a X three, and it got power and it got power equal to the number of incident and sorceries in your graveyard from Ikoria, I think. Oh man, it's the legend. But it said every time you discard cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. I remember Nate was working on that card. Wow, time, I too. yeah, I can't even remember that card. I'm forgetting what it is, but it it, it was an X three. And so its power was equal to the number of instants and sorceries in your graveyard. And then I just always had three toughness. And so if you did it with like breakthrough, you would draw four cards, discard your hand, and then just draw all of the cards that you discarded. So if you discarded seven cards, you would just draw seven cards because her clause was for the first time you discard cards each time, draw that many cards that you discarded. And so it was like a really cool combo piece. And we were like, if you can get that off, but it was three mana. So it came down later than you wanted it for a combo deck like that. And then because it was an X3, you could just bolt it and it sucked. But yeah. This one being an X4, the fact that Fatal Push doesn't see play and this is uh, can live through a bolt, it means that it, it strikes me as something that it's a better version of what that deck was trying to do because it's more uh, resilient. And I hope that that exists. So, Nate, if you're listening, he has more Martica Dystina Colder car has been passed to you, sir. Take it yes. away. Get in the Asmora Martica Dystina Colder car. I'll turn, uh, this, give it I'll turn this Asmora Martica Dystina Colder car around right now. I want to give a uh, <laughs> shout out to old Rustine here. Uh, we're not going to read what it does because it's irrelevant. It's never going to see play. Mm. But this set had old Rustine and the set before it had old stick fingers. So there's just a bunch of characters in Innistrad that are old something. Yeah, and, these uh, are like, these are these are the spiritual successor to Uncle Istvan, I'm assuming. Yeah, it's just, you know, <laughs> I, I just like the idea that people are sitting at a, a tavern on Innistrad being like, ah, oh, yeah, old Rustine. I can tell you yeah. stories about old Rustine. Or you know, no, old Rustine is definitely the guy at the end of the bar telling you stories. Don't, don't, yeah, don't, about, don't listen to that guy. That's old Rustine. About old stick fingers, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't see any artifacts worth really mentioning here. Not at all. Uh, I would have, I would have liked Skull Scob. It's a two-two zombie for blue and a black. It says exploit. 
whenever you exploit a non-token creature, create a 2-2 black zombie creature token. If instead of saying whenever a creature you control exploits, if it just said whenever you sacrifice a creature, then we would have been talking. That's a, That would have been a cheaper raw rate for, for zombies rather than playing bridge from below, which is not where you want to be. Yeah. Oh, Wandering Mind. That was a card that people were interested in. Oh, yes. Wandering Mind. That is a uh, one blue, red, two, one flyer. It says when it enters the battlefield, look at the top six cards of your library. You reveal a non-creature, non-land card from among them. Put it into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in random order. So I guess I'm assuming that they were comparing this to, to Dig Through Time on a stick. Uh, it's just a bigger impulse, but it happens to be a body. So yeah. um, in combo decks, it's just going to dig you six deep. Uh, but it also just happens to be a flyer, which can block, which can be valuable for a combo deck. We're going to buy time. The flying is 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 a, a bit of a bargain here because like a 2-1 for, for one mana, we've seen that before. Impulse, we've seen that before. So you're getting flying and two extra cards for the for the price of those things. Yeah, six deep is very deep. It's a, it's a very good rate. I mean, three mana is a lot of mana, uh, but if you are... A deck you're looking for, if you're looking together, for a thing, yeah. yeah, you know? Yeah, you're, you're going to do it well. Selection um, is good. This is the type of value card. It reminded me of uh, Watcher. It was the 2-1 with Hideaway. Uh, okay. that when it left the battlefield. You oh, yeah. Watcher, Watcher of Secrets or something? Watcher of Tomorrows, I think is what it's called. Watcher right? of Tomorrows, yeah. Uh, I like that guy. Is, He's good. That's two mana with Hideaway, but it only looks four deep. I get that this is a whole mana more, which is a lot. But looking six deep, uh, non-creature, non-land is pretty open. Yeah, and it doesn't have to die. Yeah, you, know? you just get to have it. Watcher of so, Tomorrow had to die. It, yeah, Watcher of Tomorrow had to just be removed from the battlefield somehow. Otherwise, yeah. it would just be a 2-1 that couldn't block on the, when you cast it because it come into it, ETBs tapped because yeah. of Hideaway. All right. Well, I think that that sort of does it for this set. Shout-outs to all of the really rad uh, Dracula art once again. Uh, yeah, it's it's really unfortunate that I'm going to get the uh, Sore and the Merkless Dracula reskin. Yeah. I really want to get, like, I, I've been thinking about, since since I got rid of a lot of my duels, uh, just, like, trying to jump into uh, Death and Taxes to just have that as a deck. And I yeah. kind of want these Mina Harker Thalias. I, I hope that everybody uh, from now on, anytime they cast a Thalia, are just like, I'm going to cast Mina Harker. Cooler character, for sure. Although I think they really, they uh, specifically this this version of Mina Harker is second only to uh, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen in, is, in as far as rewrites are concerned for a character that has some sort of agency that never had any agency in the original book. I don't know if you're privy to uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Definitely don't watch the movie. Don't do that to yourself. Yeah, don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. You heard it for, we're not saying don't do it so you'll do it harder. Yeah, no, I'm telling you, please don't do that. Read the comic book instead. It's by Alan Moore. The comic book is solid. Uh, the movie is hot effing garbage. It is, there is probably, if, if I had a top 10 of bad movies, that is somewhere in five or six for me. There's just so much other content available. Yeah, you could do so much with your life in, in that amount of time that I, I think so much, you will be, so you'll be upset at me if you watch this movie. That's how, I apologize for even mentioning it. I'm going to put it this way. Sorry. Lee Extraordinary Gentleman is two movies as zombie tribal is to legacy. You want it, you want it to be good. You think it's close. Yeah. It's not, it's not close. I want to, I want to quick talk about, uh, so we've been doing a lot of parodies lately, Phil. And um, one that you haven't gotten to hear that I've done because it's not really magic. It's, it's tangentially magic, the gathering related. 
Do you remember the collectible card game Rage? Hell yeah, I do. So Rage, Rage was a, a werewolf, uh, the apocalypse like spinoff from Worlds of Darkness, Vampire the Masquerade, you know. Uh, but anyhow, uh, when I worked in the comic shop uh, in, in South Jersey, uh, one of the guys there played Rage, and on his Rage box, he had uh, written in Sharpie, despite playing Rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. And you know, you know, I wrote an entire parody and just sent it to him this week. Just so he, like, a 35-year-old joke, like, I sent to this guy, or maybe not 35, 25-year-old joke I, I just sent to this guy. And uh, uh, it, it, it made, yeah, it was, it was great. Dude, I feel like you and I are of the same ilk because we will sandbag a joke for years. <laughs> yeah. Years. And then we will pay it off in a way that wasn't even remotely worth the time that we sandbagged it for. No, the person I sent it to was 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 beside themselves. They were just like, this is great. Dude, I can respect committing to the bit. Yeah. Committing Maybe you'll pop that in some other time. But uh, if, if, if you're interested... Reach out to me, Dirtle Magus, uh, Dirtle Magus on uh, on Twitter. I'll, I'll send I'll send it over to you, or we'll post it. You know what? We haven't done this, and and Hackbert had a great idea. We should we should literally have a uh, channel in our Discord where we where we post uh, the the covers that we we've created. So I think that's a smart idea. We'll start doing that. It'll be a lock yeah. channel, so you can just like no. All you'll be able to do is like you know make an emoji next to it or whatever so that way you can just like scroll through and see the all of the stuff we've done that'd be dope yeah i think that's that's the best way to, to to handle that so uh if you're not you should join our discord if you can't figure out how to join our discord i don't know how to tell you how to do that immediately but if you reach out to phil or me we'll gladly give you the the discord uh invite address uh and uh, happy to share the link i can tell you uh, when you join the discard, I'll happily continue telling you how fucking insanely good Reckless Impulse is. And, uh, <laughs> and, how, just get, and how we should get, get rid of Fetchlands. We should definitely get rid of <laughs> Fetchlands. That would solve so many problems. Cancel Fetchlands. Uh, cancel Fetchlands. <laughs> uh, the, the, the debate of uh, cancel Fetchlands uh, will eventually, will just immediately devolve into think of all of the other issues that would arise from it that like we assume would happen as a consequence. That you know, I mean, look, evolve into a slippery slope. I spent, I spent money on Fetchlands, so you can't ban them. I've already spent money on them. I I like the idea of um, the the argument or the thought experiment of if we were to ban Fetchlands, how much more expensive do dual lands become? Because Fetchlands mean that you can run less duels because Fetchlands are just zero mana tutors. It also made me realize that uh, we as legacy players are so accustomed to just having perfect mana all the time yeah that we haven't thought about any other utility lands that have been printed in three decades that we yeah. ever even consider we don't even consider it if they put out a cycle a cycle of lands that produced all five mana and colorless people would still play with fetch lands the if idea. you could play like a whole mana base full of lands that automatically fix your mana every time Counted as islands and whatever, you know, like counted as whatever you need for your deck, people would still play with fetch lands. Well, yeah, because then you could fetch them. But like, yeah, nobody's playing <laughs> Gemstone Mine and City of Brass anymore because they just have perfect men anyway. People were like, well, it would suck if you don't have fetch lands because then you can't find your basics as easy. And then you would just get hosed by like Blood Moon and Wasteland like all the time. And I'm like, I feel like fetch lands have made it so that we forget that like the checks on greedy mana bases are meant 
to be checks on greedy mana bases. Yeah. It's like, I, well, how am I supposed to play? How am I supposed to win when my opponent plays a card that specifically hoses my deck? Like, like how, how that's not even fair. What am I supposed to do if, like, I want to be able to cast Leobold and I can't just do that whenever I want to because my mana is perfect? It's like, I want to. I want to just see people start start to play like conversion, like the card yeah. that turns all mountains into plains, like just slamming conversion and watching people lose their effing mind when they're like, "It's how do I beat conversion?" It, it, it is. It is funny to me that when they are designing cards at R and D, if they make something two or three colors, they intend for it to be more difficult to cast. But because fetch lands exist, if something is, uh, let's say, Leovold, right? Black, blue, green. Black, blue, green is infinitely easier to cast. Than green, green. Card was, if, they, if that card was green, green, blue, or black, black, blue. Yeah. Right? The double, the double color is actually the, 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 the bottleneck yeah. as opposed to being an individual because we have fetch lands. We all understand the notion of splashing, right? Yep. Splashing is free because fetch lands exist. And we have taken that for granted. The fact that you incidentally have if you play if you're like i need a red splash so you're like okay i'm gonna play a single volcanic island and now i have 10 tutors for my singular volcanic island so i can play whatever red cards i want now maybe maybe it would be better if that wasn't the case maybe it would be better if that if, if they, that's not how it works i think do with that remember, do, do we remember when astrolabe got banned because it made that you made you have perfect mana yep i yeah, do i do remember it yeah, do you remember how that worked? Because uh, your fetch lands could get you your basics, and then the astrolabe did the other part, which is just make it so you have all colors. Yep. The fetch lands make it so you have all colors. Yeah, well, fuck the proletariat. We can't have people playing those cheap mana bases in our in our format. That's bullshit. Yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> it's weird to go, to incentivize people to play more stable mana bases. We should yeah. definitely all all just play all of the colors all the time. All right. Yeah. Well, I think with that. You can, send, I'm, I'm you can send your letters, you can send your letters to uh, 1515, 15-1845 Street in uh, Asbury, <laughs> Asbury, in uh, Astoria, <laughs> to Phil's yeah. Phil home address. Just giving away my address <laughs> on, on the cast to all of the people who are like, man. Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, everyone, have a good have a good week, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Play some blue red delver. Channel a dragon's rage. Days their first play. Days their first play. Play some blue red delver. Channel a dragon's rage. Days their first play. Days their first play. Do you dash a monkey? Do you perk the tides? Do you petty theft all their hope? Got shot all their pride? Don't overthink this. Just jam your spells. Ragavan won't get banned. Dash him in, he'll show and tell. We're all gonna try to make this okay. Lie that this is okay. Cry cause this is okay. We're not gonna try to make this okay. Lie to make this okay. Cry cause this is okay. Play some blue red Hey, come on, play some blue red
funny story. So, give or take five years ago, they banned Sensei's Dividing Top. And I thought, what am I supposed to do now? I guess I'll brew. But you'll never guess what it's like to brew in a format where 30% of the field is just the most efficient threats and answers from fire design in the same deck backed by days and wasteland, but I kept brewing. I didn't win a match for five years. But then they printed Mystic Sanctuary. And I dug up my counterbalances. I bought back in. I thought, I'll just look past the train wreck that was more of the spark. Fetching to counter their spells and instant speeds felt so good. And I thought, this is it. It's build with your own Sensei's Dividing Top. But then, Modern Horizons 2 happened. Dash a monkey, do you murk the tides? Do you petty theft all their hope, got shot all their pride? Don't overthink this, just jam your spells. Ragavan won't get banned, dash him in or show and tell. Once he's power creeping, I don't give a shit. You say the game is breaking, guess what it already did? You're not gonna stop the money, calls the shot. Let's go by modern horizons. We're not gonna cry, cause this is okay. Try to make this okay. Like it, this is okay. We're not gonna cry, cause this is okay. Try to make this okay. Like it, this is okay. Play some new adult. Gentle dragons rich. This ain't the thing. This ain't the thing. Look at these beebles, look at them now. Richard Garfield and Gary Gygax. Hammer 
Reserve did it make Lemax Reserve the list? Drink their blood? Come on, Marsh, get them! Richard Garfield and Gary Gygax, amateurs did it make Lemax Reserve the list? Drink their blood? Come on, Mark, get them!